who would have thought it? Who could have thought it? Who could have possibly imagined that 2020 was going to be like this? I mean, this time last year, did you anticipate that 2020 was going to be like this? Did you anticipate this kind of reality? Did you anticipate that the world was going to change so much in one year? Did you anticipate having to socially distance? Did you anticipate these masks? Did you anticipate having to put on a mask before entering a restaurant or a store or a school? Did you anticipate having your kids having to, to do virtual learning for much of the year? Did you anticipate empty stands at professional sporting events? Did you anticipate the riots? Did you anticipate the protests and the division and the widespread violence that's, that's been taking place across the country? Did you anticipate the lockdowns? Did you anticipate a closed nation where movie theaters and gyms and theme parks and in some cases even churches would be closed? Did you anticipate toilet paper and hand sanitizer becoming more precious and valuable than silver and gold? Did you anticipate having to take the Lord's Supper from one of these right here? Did you anticipate this time last year that in 2020 you would have to grab a little Lord's Supper baggie before making your way to the pew? Did you anticipate being afraid? Did you anticipate 2020 being a year when you were afraid to shake people's hands and give people a hug because you didn't want to catch the coronavirus? There are a lot of Examples, other examples I could give you this morning, but I think you get the point. I think you can see that the point I'm trying to make is 2020 will be a year we're never going to forget. We're never going to forget 2020. We're never going to forget how our lives were probably changed forever this year. In fact, beyond our lives being changed forever in 2020, I also believe that this year we, we learned a lot of valuable lessons, didn't we? I also believe that we've been given this year a, a lot of important reminders about the realities of life that can be easy for us to forget, but they are echoed throughout the Bible. They are announced to us constantly by the God who made us, for example, one of the things that 2020 has done a pretty good job of reminding us of over and over again is this year we've been constantly reminded of our mortality. Oh, yes, we've been constantly reminded of our mortality this year throughout this pandemic, through the media and through politicians and quarantines and, and mask mandates. We have been reminded that that when it comes to our bodies, our physical bodies, they have limitations. Our bodies have limitations. In other words, our physical bodies, they're not immortal. 
They're not invincible. They're not indestructible. Instead, they are susceptible to sickness. 2020 has done a good job of reminding us that these physical bodies, they can get sick. They can catch germs. They can spread germs. They can become weak and feeble and, and even die. You see, when we constantly hear people losing their lives every day to COVID-19, that reminds us of the reality of death. That reminds us of a, of, re, of a reality that for many of us, we want to keep far removed from our, from our minds. In fact, beyond the coronavirus, constantly reminding us in our minds of the reality of death. 2020 has also reminded us of this reality in a few other ways. Take, for example, the tragic event that took place on January the 25th of this year. Do you remember what happened on January 25th of this year? Remember how on January 25th of this year, Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest basketball players in the history of the NBA, he died. He and his daughter and some friends actually died in a helicopter crash. He died on January 25th of this year, despite his wealth and despite his fame, his popularity, and even his young age. The death of Kobe Bryant actually jump-started what would go on to be a very tragic year, but he's not the only famous person we lost this year. I'm also reminded of Sean Connor. He is well-known for playing James Bond. And then there's country singer Charlie Pride. And then there's NFL Hall of Famer Gail Sayers. And then there's Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then there's the host of Jeopardy for several decades, Alex Trebek. And then there was the man who was famous for playing one of my son's favorite superheroes, Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman. He also died. We lost a lot of famous and popular people in 2020, but not only did we lose these kind of people, we also lost a lot of brethren. Here at Monte Vista, we also lost Mark Thompson and Karen Canton and Jan Borelli. Gigi and I were actually talking a few days ago, and we realized that we personally know of at least 20 people who have died this year. That is the most people that we have ever personally known to die in one year. Gigi lost two aunts on the same day this year. My grandfather who raised me, many of you remember, he died back in April. We know between 10 and 12 brethren in various congregations who have passed away this year, and some of those folks passed away from COVID. And I also recently became aware of a classmate of mine who died a few weeks ago. He actually was shot and killed in his house. I don't know about you, but 2020 has given me a lot of reminders about the reality of death. And you know, that's not a bad thing. 
In fact, the Bible says that's not a, a bad thing at all. Solomon says that's not a bad thing at all in the book of Ecclesiastes. Do you remember what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7? Remember in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, the wise man Solomon says a good name is better than a good ointment. And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting, because that is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. Notice carefully what the wise man says there. Do you see that? Notice how, according to the wisdom given by God to Solomon, Solomon says that it's actually better to go to the house of feasting or go to the house of mourning, I'm sorry, than to the house of feasting. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. Translation, he is saying it's better to go to the funeral home than to a party. It's better to go to a funeral than to a party. Someone says, why is that? Well, my friends, the reason why that is, is because at the funeral home, at the place where people are mourning the loss of a loved one, we are reminded of an inescapable reality. We are reminded about death. We are reminded about the grave. We are reminded of the fact that no matter how much we don't like it, one day we are going to die. One day we are going to leave this, this dimension. We're going to leave this world. Solomon says that we need to be reminded of that from time to time. We need to be reminded from time to time of the reality of death, and we need to be reminded of that ultimately so that we can be preparing for it. You see, since death is inevitable, since death is, is guaranteed, since none of us knows the day we are going to die, the wise thing for us to do is to always be preparing for it. We need to always be, be preparing for the day in which we're going to die. In fact, that's one of the main reasons why we need to become Christians. You see, in addition to demonstrating love for God because he loved us first, in addition to becoming better people, and in addition to having something to lean on when we start going through trials and tribulations in life, one of the greatest things about becoming a Christian, brothers and sisters, is it prepares you for death. It prepares you for the grave. It prepares you. For the day when you're going to stand before the Lord. You see, when you're a Christian, when you're a Christian, you don't have to live your life afraid to die. You don't have to live your life afraid that in 2021 you might die. I'm reminded of what John says in the book of Revelation. When you look at Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13, remember, we're going to begin reading the book of Revelation in just a, a, few, a few days, and in Revelation 14 and verse 13, look at what John says here. Revelation 14 and verse 13, John says, And I heard a voice from heaven. I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed. That word blessed means to be happy. John says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Notice what John says here about death in the Christian. Do you see it? Notice how, according to the Apostle John, when it comes to death 
for the Christian, that's not a bad thing. That's not a tragic thing. That's not the worst thing that can happen to the child of God. Instead, that's the best thing that can happen to the child of God. John says death for the Christian is a blessing. It is a good thing. It is actually the avenue that we must take to experience eternal rest with God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible talks a lot about death. And we've been reminded a lot about death this year, haven't we? Throughout 2020, we've been reminded a lot about our mortality as human beings. But not only have we, we, we've been reminded of our mortality. A second thing we've been reminded of is we've also been reminded of the uncertainty of life. Let me ask you a question. Around this time last year, what plans were you making? What plans were you making for 2020? I don't know about you, but I had a lot of plans for 2020, and none of them included this right here. I had a lot of plans for 2020. I planned this year to go on vacation in my favorite place to vacation, and that is New York City. We plan to go to New York this year. We plan to go to Niagara Falls this year. I plan to have held several gospel meetings this year. I plan to have preached in Chicago and in Atlanta and in Beaufort, South Carolina, at the congregation where the Nelsons came from. I also plan to go and see my favorite football team play the Cardinals back in September. Then get to do that. And my son and I planned on finishing his basketball season, but unfortunately it ended prematurely a couple of weeks ago due to COVID. I had a lot of plans for this year, but I had to cancel those plans. I had to cancel many of my plans because of the pandemic, and I'm willing to guess that you probably had some plans you had to cancel as well, right? Doing that actually reminds me of a couple of different places that we read about in the Bible. First, it reminds me of the verses that Brother, that Brother Mike read for us this morning in our scripture reading. Remember Luke 12, 16 through 21? Remember how in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, Jesus tells a, a parable about a, about a man, a, a very wealthy man who had a lot of plans. He had a lot of plans for his, for his future. He had a lot of plans for how he was going to how he was going to spend his material wealth. When you look at verse number 19 of that chapter, after this man determined to to tear down his small barns in order, in order to build larger ones, to store up his enormous wealth. He said that after he did that, he was going to say to his soul, soul, you have many goods laid up, watch it now, for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Notice, notice how due to the, the success that this man had experienced in his business venture, he probably was a farmer. Due to his great financial success, he planned on taking it easy the rest of his life. He, he, he planned on enjoying peace and financial security. He planned on getting up every morning and doing whatever he wanted for, for the next several years. That's what he planned, right? He had a lot of great plans for his future, but according to Jesus, 
He didn't get to do any of his plans. He didn't get to do any of this stuff that he's talking about here because he died. He actually died on a night that he was not expecting to. And because he did not know the Lord. Because he did not have a relationship with God, because he did not put God in his plans when he died, he died lost. He died separated from God. God actually called him a fool because while he may have been physically wealthy, he was spiritually poor. He was spiritually bankrupt. He was someone who foolishly assumed that he would have later on to think about serving God. That's the kind of man that Jesus talks about there. And you put that with what James says in James chapter 4. Look at James 4 and verse 13, please. James 4, 13. What does James say? James says these words. James 4, 13. Come now, you who say, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. You're making plans. Verse 14, he says, yet you do not know. You don't know. What your life is going to be like tomorrow, you're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if, it, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. That's what this man was doing. Boasting in his arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Verse 17, therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. Notice how James says that how, how or while is, there's nothing wrong with making plans for the future, why it's not sinful to make plans for 2021, there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, James says that we need to understand that the future, it's not guaranteed. Next year is not guaranteed. Next month, next week, tomorrow, even the next few minutes, none of that is really guaranteed. You see, my friends, we could very well do the things that we're planning to do in 2021, or we could not do those things. We could not do anything that we're planning to do next year because something may occur in our lives that's beyond our control. We could die. The Lord could come back. We could get sick. Maybe a global pandemic takes place like we've experienced this year. If 2020 has done anything for us, it's done a good job of reminding us that each and every day of our lives is really uncertain. Tomorrow is uncertain, and that's why we got to make sure we live our lives every single day to the glory of God. We got to live every single day trusting God. We got to live every single day understanding who's ultimately in control. That's really the point that James is making in verse number 15. In verse number 15, when James says, you ought to say if the Lord wills, we will also live, live and also do this or that. When James says that there, he's not saying that we should say that statement or recite those words as some sort of good luck charm. He's not saying that we need to always say if the Lord wills as some sort of good luck charm in life. Instead, James is saying there that we need to live our lives with the understanding of who's ultimately in control in life. We need to live our lives understanding that we're not ultimately in control of our lives. We're not ultimately in control of this life. Instead, God is the one who's ultimately in control. 
Jesus is the one who is ultimately in control. He is the one who is ultimately the creator and the sustainer of all things. And whenever we make some plans, we need to always make our plans with him in mind. We need to always understand that whatever we're planning to do, we'll only get to do that if he allows it. We'll only get to do that if it's his will. In 2020, we've been reminded about the uncertainty of life. And you know what else we've been reminded of? We've also been reminded of the blessing of the assembly. Wouldn't you agree with that? You know, it was back in the month of April that our wonderful and godly shepherds, my dear friends, they had to make a very difficult decision. Do you remember that? You remember how in an effort to keep us safe, and to keep us healthy at the beginning of this pandemic, our shepherds, after much prayer and discussion, they made a hard decision to suspend our gathering together for, for a few weeks. We actually didn't then assemble together for about three or four weeks. And I got to tell you that during that time when we were not able to be together, I started to realize something. I started to realize just how often I took for granted this blessing. I started to realize just how often I took for granted the ability to do what we are doing right now. You see, like all of you during the month of April, April for me and my family, we, we did the best that we could. We also tried the, the virtual worship thing. We, we went to various church websites for singings. And we prayed together in the living room and we read scripture and we listened to various preachers that we know on the Internet for several weeks. We, we did all that stuff. We, we did the best we could given the, the, the circumstances. But I'm going to tell you something, no matter how many sermons we listened to on the Internet, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. In fact, brothers and sisters, it wasn't even close to the same. It wasn't even close to the experience we, we get when we're able to physically gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ to worship God. There's nothing we did on the Internet that can match what we've been able to do today. You see, even though we're still not quite back yet attendance-wise to where we were before the pandemic began, even though we got to be careful, even though we, we got to make sure we, we social distance and, and we got to keep these on unless you're preaching, even though we, we got to do that stuff. I get it. Even though it's still a little strange at times. It's still a blessing. It's still a blessing just to be together again. It's still a blessing to have people like Brian stand up here and lead us in singing. It's still a blessing to be able to give together, take the Lord's Supper together, pray together. And as a preacher, it is definitely a blessing to be able to preach to some people. <laughs> and I have to preach to empty pews or just to a camera. I actually can at least see your eyes and, and no living beings are in the room. That's a blessing. I don't take that for granted. I don't know about you, but for me personally, I've been challenged this year. I've been challenged to never again take for granted 
the blessing of the worship assembly. I've been challenged to really appreciate why God in the Bible over and over again emphasizes the value of his people coming together for the purpose of worship and studying his word. I want you to go in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10, and I know I read these verses a couple of weeks ago, but I can't do this lesson any kind of justice unless I read it again to you this morning. Hebrews 10, verse 23, you're probably familiar with the verses. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice how during this time right here, we're doing so much for each other. We're encouraging each other. We're building each other up. We're stimulating each other to love and good deeds. Here the Hebrew writer says that there are so many benefits to the worship assembly. We can't do this stuff through virtual worship. I'm sorry, you just can't. Now go to 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians, because notice how the Hebrew writer, Hebrews 10, he mentioned the assembly there. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now put that with what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, look at verse 26. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Paul said to these first century Christians in Corinth, what is the outcome then, brethren, when you what? When you assemble. Do you see that? When you assemble, each one has a song, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue. There was tongue speaking going on in the church in the first century. They have revelations. They have a tongue, and interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, there are a couple of things I want you to notice from that verse, okay? First, I want you to notice how in that verse, Paul talks about the assembly. Do you see that? He talks about the assembly. He says, when you assemble, there Paul is saying that God wants his people to come together. God wants his people to assemble. God wants his people to be together. He wants them to see each other's faces and, and hear each other's voices and, and feel each other's physical presence. That's what God wants. You see, while Zoom and YouTube and church websites may have served a purpose for a time, ultimately, according to the Bible, all that stuff is, is insufficient. Ultimately, all that stuff is it's not really going to get the job done. Ultimately, virtual church is going to fall short of the kind of edification and equipping of God's people. You see, while I don't know what 2021 holds for us, I don't know the future. It, it could be very well possible we, we find ourselves in another situation like we were in back in April. That's very well possible. I understand that. But I also want us to understand this, that even if we do find ourselves in that situation again, nothing we do is for, with technology will ever be able to substitute God's plan. They'll never be able to substitute it. You see, God in his infinite wisdom, he stresses the importance of the assembly in the Bible for a reason. He knows that when Christians are isolated from one another, 
when they're at home just doing their own thing and stopping and starting sermons on the Internet, when they become spiritual hermits, guess what happens? The devil goes to work. Oh, he's going to go to work. He's going to start assaulting Christians. He's going to start weakening Christians. He's going to start lying to Christians. He's going to start picking them off one by one. God understands that. The devil understands that. The devil knows that the more we are away from each other, the more vulnerable and susceptible we become to his attacks. And so 2020 has reminded us, it's reminded me of the blessing of the assembly. I'm so blessed to be with you today. But then a fourth thing this year has reminded us of is it's also reminded us of the things that matter most. The things that matter most in life, you know, periods of suffering and adversities and, and trials can do that for us if we allow them to. Right. You know, so often periods of sufferings and and trials, they can cause us to, to slow down a little bit. Sometimes we need to slow down in life. So sometimes we need to reflect. Sometimes we need to be forced by sufferings and trials to start doing things that maybe we should have been doing already. For example, maybe this bizarre year of 2020 has caused you to reflect more on the importance of your family. Maybe 2020 has caused you to appreciate your family more. Maybe the trials of this year has forced you to start spending more time with your family. Maybe this year has caused you to reflect more on the need to have good health. Maybe being quarantined has caused you to start exercising more. Maybe you're now walking a, a couple of miles each day. My wife and I started walking as a result of being quarantined. Maybe this stressful year has caused you to think more about God. Maybe it has forced you to start praying more. Reading your Bible more. Having more faith in God, having more trust in God. Maybe the trials and adversities of this, of this year has caused you to start doing those kind of things. Again, I firmly believe that adversities and trials have a way of forcing us to start doing things that maybe we should have been doing already, especially when it comes to our service to God. I'm reminded of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Brother Stan made reference to this this morning, and I just want to go back there. Uh, and kind of dovetail what he said there. At Matthew chapter 6, if you remember Matthew 6, there Jesus, Jesus gives us his solution for the problem of worry. Remember Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse number 25. Many of us struggle with worry, and there Jesus gives us a solution, his solutions for overcoming worry. In verse number 34 of Matthew 6, he says things like, so don't worry about tomorrow. That goes with what James was saying. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Translation, take life one day at a time. Before worrying about tomorrow or the next day or the next year, focus on today. Focus on doing what's right today. What can you do today? Well, look at verse 33. Verse 33 says, but seek first. Do you see that? Seek first his kingdom or the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Notice how 
Jesus says that when it comes to the will of God, when it comes to seeking the rule of God, when it comes to doing the things that God has prescribed for us to be righteous people, Jesus says that that kind of stuff needs to be first. It needs to be the top priority. It needs to be the number one thing that we are focused on every single day. That's what Jesus says, and maybe the trials and adversities of this year has motivated us to start doing that. Maybe the trials and adversities of this year has forced us to start putting first things first. Maybe it has forced us to reflect more on life and reflect more on the true meaning of life. Maybe it has forced us to slow down a little bit and stop and smell the roses and realize what is most important in life. Maybe it has helped us realize that the things that are most important in life are not sports. We've done all right without sports for a time, right? It's not sports. It's not being able to sit and eat in a restaurant. We've lived without that for a while. It's not even being able to go to Harkins Theater and sit down and watch a movie. We've gone almost a whole year without that. We can live without that stuff. That stuff's not most important in life. Instead, what is most important in life is our families. And it's our relationship with each other. And it's us serving each other and thinking about the needs of one another and is ultimately serving God. Is serving the Lord, is putting our complete trust and confidence in God because he is really the only one who is constant and unchanging in a constantly changing world. What I just want you to see is 2020, even though it's going to be a year we never forget, it's done some good for us. We've learned a lot of valuable lessons this year. We've been given a lot of very important reminders. And let these reminders, these biblical reminders, stay in the forefront of our minds. Let these things bless us and help us live better for the Lord in the coming year than maybe we did this year. In fact, as you reflect on your own life this morning, I want to close by just asking you this. Where do you stand? Where do you stand with God? Where do you stand with Jesus as we get ready to wrap up the year 2020? If you realize that you're not right with the Lord today, I can't think of a better way to end this year and begin a new year than to get your life right with God. Get your life right with Jesus. Believe in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. And finally obey his commandment to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. If there's someone here this morning and as you've been reflecting on your life and the things you need to do to get right with God, if we can aid you and serve you in that in any way at all, it'll be our pleasure. Come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.